politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready more than ever to fight for our life, our liberty, our property, and what actually matters to every facet of our life. If that is your end goal, well, this is your one-stop shop. Daniel Hurwitz back here today at CR Podcast, Blaze Media. Tuesday, starting off late this week, September 6th, because we had this bizarre Labor Day holiday. Um, but I will tell you that if we don't succeed in fighting the Fourth Reich, every day will be a Labor Day because we will be laboring for our survival. Food, fuel, medicine, whatever you want, it will be gone and we'll have to go in and clamor for some crumbs at the table. Uh, typically, this is really the beginning of the year for many people, not January 1st, especially if you have family, kids that are school age. This is when the new uh, school year starts, at least if you're not in the Deep South. Um, so thankfully, all my kids are back in school, less chaos in the house. And this is when people get back to focusing on what they typically do. And if politics is their thing, they'll focus on that. They'll focus on the news. And this is where typically everyone focuses on the elections beginning after Labor Day. Congress is back in session. You have just a couple weeks left to two pivotal deadlines. The deadline to pass the annual budget bill, or at least a continuing resolution of the previous fiscal year, and the new fiscal year's Defense Authorization Act. And you would think that after everything we've been through and then capstoned with Biden's forthright speech he gave last Thursday would be a united movement coming back this week with a sense of purpose, a direction, focus, a cause that they're going to unyieldingly fight for. Instead, it's just like bizarre. Probably the biggest thing I'm watching from conservative media is, will Dr. Oz catch up with Fetterman in the Pennsylvania um, uh, Senate race. And it's like, what? By the way, take a listen to this clip from Dr. Oz from years ago, but it doesn't matter because this is what he believes on a smoking ban. Take a listen here. I don't think you ought to hire smokers. I know it's hard to do. 21 states in this country allow private companies not to hire smokers. 29 don't. I appreciate you've all been through this and this conversation. It is, from my perspective, indefensible for us to spend 15% more money at the same time letting people hurt themselves. We have to be smarter than this. You know, for every complex solution is in, you know, or rather every complex problem is an easy solution, it's usually wrong. In this case, we actually have a solution that's going to be complex but will work which is to find out ways of making it at least legal in every one of the states in America for employers not to have to hire a smoker. And if it's message right, I care about you, I'm here for you, I'll pay for your smoking cessation, I want to hire you, but I can't do it if you're doing this, I think that message will actually resonate as opposed to the finger-wagging fear that many have. So folks, he wanted to ban people from the workforce if, if they smoke, basically drum them out of society. Now, not, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of smoking. I think it actually is problematic for your health, but, you know, that's life. That's your choice. Where do you think COVID fascism has its roots in when government steps out of its lane and, and, and decides to do things like that? And guess what? That sounds awfully similar to what ultimately happened with the shots. So on the very issue for which we need warriors to passionately, unflinchingly, 
intrepidly, indefatigably fight for our cause, we have people who are on the other side before it was cool to be on the other side. That's what everyone's fighting for. It's just bizarre. It's, it's just so weird. We are facing the medical stuff. Again, people are still dying of the vaccine every day. And there's no desire to help compensate people, help fund research, diagnostics to, to let people get ahead of the microclotting and the subclinical myocarditis and things like that. There is no sense of urgency to deal with that. There's no sense of urgency to deal with the surveillance state and transhumanism and the war, war on food and fuel. You can have about a list of 10 things that you could fight in this upcoming budget bill. They need 10 Republican senators to support it. Likewise, you could have a list of things slightly different to confront these issues at a state level in the states that Republicans already control. Yet on not, not a single one of them is there any direction to get Republicans to fight back. None of them. And, and let's list some of those things. I, I wrote a, it's not exhaustive, but I wrote a short list of them. What states should be doing at this juncture when people are more focused on the news now after Labor Day, the summer's over. And the title of my article today at conservativereview.com, you could always find my articles there. You could also follow me at C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram. And you could order the book at trialsandexecution.com. Get the first chapter free mailed to you right now. But the, the rest of the book is pre-order. The title today is What is the Conservative Plan to Deal with Biden's Fourth Reich? That simple. And, and I'll admit, I'm, I'm just using Biden for the news cycle. It's, Biden's a dead man walking. It's not even him. Ultimately, what it boils down to, the central nervous system is really the national security intel apparatus, which is very scary. And I go through the following. I basically call for a coalition of governors, attorneys general, state legislative leaders, speakers, Senate majority leaders, to get together, have representatives from, let's just say, 20 states. Call it the... Meet in Florida. I'm just giving an example. Call it the Miami Declaration. And you list, you, you have a list of grievances of everything the government has done to attack our humanity, our bodily autonomy, gain a function to create viruses, the vaccines, what they're doing on food and fuel, and what they're doing to, to, to collaborate with the so-called private sector against us to squelch free speech, to target basically political opponents like in a, in a tin pot dictatorship. And then you would resolve, here's just, just a smattering of, of what you would do. The states would all announce we're going to criminalize enforcement of any federal COVID mandate, whether, whether by a federal state or private actor within the boundaries of those states and that would include so-called federal lands within the state. What are you going to do about it? Again, you're going to need all of them to agree on this. Block federal agents from entering the states to target political opposition. Order all education and healthcare institutions within the state to stop complying with recent edicts on transgenderism or COVID 
with the threat of several fines, of severe fines, create a commission to study who is responsible for the COVID response and the Bosch therapeutics, along with an audit of what other therapeutics are in the pipeline that violate bioethical norms, right? Now, I, I, I do hear that in New Hampshire, they are pursuant to a bill that the House there passed. They have a commission which is going to examine some of this, not, not the origins of COVID, but at least the vaccines. And this is something that needs to be done now. And again, part of that is compensating people. Think of all these state departments of health. I know it's the feds that did this, but every state department of health, except for the current version of Florida, endorsed this stuff. So they have a responsibility to fund compensation and diagnostics. Like, in other words, they should set up free clinics where people who got the shots could walk in and either get treatment or diagnostics. You know, I have a family member that had, who had swollen lymph nodes for months. That is not good. And you need diagnostics to make sure there's nothing festering. Whether it's D-dimer tests to check for microclotting, whether it's uh, cardiac MRIs to check for subclinical myocarditis, they owe this to the people. This is the ultimate pro-life issue. People will die if you don't catch this. Different neurological tests to see if there's markers that show risks for, for stroke. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that dramatic image of that relatively young female reporter from Oklahoma who had a stroke on air. Again, all this type of stuff we're seeing. Next, nullify onerous federal regulations on energy and mineral exploration and production within the coalition of states so that we can begin protecting residents from the coming nuclear winter on energy use. Right, We're already seeing this. In California, they're doing it strongly. Now it's up to a strong recommendation. In Colorado, a number of people on a certain energy company's program, their thermostats were, sh- were shut off. What do you think smart meters are all about? Impose severe penalties on tech companies that censor political opponents of the regime until they come clean on the scope of collaboration with the federal government against these individuals. Provide legal and financial backing to those political dissidents being targeted by the feds, primarily for their political views. And suspending all training and cooperation between state and local law enforcement and the federal alphabet soup agencies. And I'm sure you could come up with many, many other ideas. Here are just you know about 10 that states should do right now. That's what would happen if we had a party. Now, I know you'll laugh and say that's never going to happen because Republicans are terrible. I get that. (laughs) But I just want to lay that marker down for all of times that it doesn't have to be this way. Now, one thing you can do to take your own destiny in your own hands is not just owning a gun and getting a carrier's permit or states, some states you don't need it, but to actually learn how to use it and win a gunfight if you're attacked. That's why I've been partnering with Patriot Academy for their constitutional defense course hosted by America's Constitution coach, Rick Green, good friend of mine, where we go out for four days. Our current uh, four-day classes are September 25th to 29th, October 2nd to 6th. There still is room, limited time. PatriotAcademy.com slash Daniel. What do we do there for four days? Well, it's in Northeast 
uh, New Mexico in the mountains in Colfax County. It's at the NRA Whittington Center. Four days worth out at the range during the day, learning the Constitution at night, meeting the best patriots around the country, listeners of this audience. You'll have the best instructors. It's serious training, but it's also very fun, family-oriented. You learn how to properly draw from the holster. Time By the end of the course, you'll be shooting less than two seconds, time shots, uh, three yards, five yards, seven yards, ten yards, uh, two to the chest, and then you know five and seven-yard shots to the head, how to clear malfunctions. Um, everything from stance, grip, trigger control, sight alignment. It is the best handgun training you will ever get. It is so much fun. Again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So I, I just want to say, before we get into the main course, I want to put together a lot of what we've been talking about. That people need to understand what we have, we don't have a free market in this country. We have a fake market propped up literally by the United States government. Our government has a monopoly on evil. I, I, I just want to speak about this from a market standpoint that a lot of us forget. I am an, almost an absolutist in free markets. I'm a big libertarian on that. Now, I do think it needs to be uh, tempered with a society that believes in God um, you know, so I'm not with the kind of the godless libertarians in that sense. But in terms of, of free markets, I'm a big believer in it. Except there's one, there's one problem. What happens if you have a government like ours that was allowed for decades to do things antithetical to a free market, break the law, break the constitution, and arbitrarily create monopolies in every single sector that matters? Well, then now you don't have a free market. But it's worse than just like the subsidies, the regulatory capture, okay, the revolving door with the government officials and the heads of tech and, and pharmaceuticals and whatever. It's more than that. What we have shown in recent days, and, and I point you back to last uh, Wednesday's show with Whitney Webb, that our national security Intel Enterprise has likely set up many of these things. Meaning, I believe that free market forces work to reward the best products and services at the best price if you don't have government involved. If you do have government involved, I mean, this is why we don't believe in government involvement. But let's say government did get involved. You're like, well, you know, they could do what they want. They're going to impose fascism on you. No. You have to understand that even a constitutional government is going to somewhat distort the free market because they do have more power than anyone else does. But imagine the government we have. They have a monopoly on everything. They are healthcare. They are the consumer. They have all the money. They have a monopoly on the printing press. Okay, it's the most powerful tool. They have a monopoly on violence. They have a monopoly on intel on security apparatus, on law enforcement, on surveillance. So then it's not just a matter of the government tipping the playing field towards certain entities. 
But who's to say the government didn't create certain entities? We all know, and this is nothing new for, for eons, years, that the CIA has created front groups everywhere, organizations that look like regular companies. We know they do this. We're almost certain Moderna is an example of that. Who's to say Twitter wasn't something like that? I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying you need to start thinking along those lines. Who's to say Amazon? I don't know. At at what point are the Intel figures so embedded that it literally is the Intel state? We always knew this. This is nothing new. But I think, at least from speaking for myself, emotionally, we like to figure... Well, it's the EPA is bad. HHS is bad. HUD is bad. Those are liberal, leftist organizations. But we all understand, while they do have a lot of power, and they all evidently have their own SWAT teams and police forces, nobody has the degree of power in its most brute sense. The ability to go anywhere and do anything and break any law and literally use muscle kill people, assassinate people, then DOD, NSA, CIA, I mean, that's, you know, if you think HHS could do anything, then certainly they can do anything. And we now know they were working directly with every key player in in COVID. From the media standpoint, from the tech standpoint, social media, medical, everything. See, we think, we think of you know, military intel contractors is like Boeing and and Raytheon and Northrop Grumman or something like that. That's what we think of like a defense contractor. But what we've learned now is you'll have healthcare institutions, media apparatuses that are completely run by the CIA. So getting back to my list of things where states need to start banning not just the feds, but entities from doing things like, oh, I believe in the free market. No, you don't believe in the free market. We need to come to grips. We need to start formulating an agenda, looking out at that lighthouse where we want to land the ship and land it. There are times when you have to focus more on means. There's times you focus more on ends. There's times where You don't want to push certain means to justify an ends because of what's going to come out from it. Those are not the times we live in. I'm not saying there's nothing I wouldn't support. I wouldn't say, hey, it's not a good idea to do that. But in general, we need to be heading more towards an outcome-based approach. We need to have certain outcomes we want and be willing to use blunt instruments to achieve them. Nothing short of that will save us. It's got to be this national divorce, and it starts with states interposing against what the feds are doing. Instead, Republicans and the conservative media are pushing the exact opposite, ignoring all that and just getting us roped into Dr. Oz and these maniacal Senate candidates. Oh, we're going to win the Senate or not win the Senate presidential election. Meaningless. When you understand the deep state of the HHS, much less something like the CIA, you tell me how a Republican president, even a good one, is going to fix that. You can't fix it. You have to shield yourself from it. That's all you can do. And we need to start authorizing states to arrest people who break digital privacy, 
surveil people who have not committed a crime, record their actions. If they're caught, criminal and civil penalties against the individuals involved in them. You know, the, the, the GOP fraud is so potent that unlike in the year of the Tea Party 2010, they're not even waiting till after the election to screw us. See, back then you felt like they were running on the issue of our time, Obamacare spending, you know, the stimulus. That's what they ran against. Now, they lied, but they at least ran against it. Here we are, headed into the final stretch after Labor Day into the election. Republicans aren't even running on any of this. I don't even know what they're saying. It's just weird. I know Chip Roy is coming out with a five-page agenda that speaks to this. Maybe we'll have him on later this week to talk about it. So, you know, medical freedom, securing our food and fuel. But we need to hold accountable the people doing this. And what I'm trying to tell you is, it's not just that we have private monopolies that benefit from the government. The government literally is playing in this sphere in a way that it's manipulating it. Like, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I just have a premonition. You look at the supply chain shortages, and believe me, I understand the power of a lockdown and the disruption of it. But that part of it has broadly been over with for a long time. I can understand some lingering effects. But the problem is it's getting worse. Everything, everything you can imagine. I had a friend who was telling me he built a house from scratch. It took forever for windows to come. Windows, you can't get anything. You would think market-wise you would have people who would seize the opportunity to deliver this stuff, to manufacture it, deliver it. And yet it's like they're all in on it. To me, that could only happen if, with forces that are ensuring this is happening. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's even about the COVID lockdowns anymore. It's being done on purpose, the same way the food and fuel is, the same way Ukraine is. By the way, I still don't understand Ukraine. I understand the fraud from Ukraine's end. I don't understand it from the Russian end. I'm just musing here. Is, is Putin in on this? What is and isn't going on on the ground that's bizarre? On the one hand, Russia's kind of like taking ground every day. On the other hand, Kiev, they're partying. Zelensky is out in... um ringing the bell at the stock exchange today in New York. Something's just really bizarre, meaning over and beyond the fact that it was, you know, our support for them is stupid and fraudulent and, and a waste of time. But it's almost like the whole thing is almost a mirage. I still can't figure out. It, it's just a bizarre war that's going on. It's like happening and not happening at the same time. And it's like they all knew it was coming. They all prepared with the, with the food sh shortages and the fuel shortages, the green stuff that they came in with. Let me give you an example. Uh, the, the, there's a terrific piece out by um, Peter Sweden. Um, that's his the name of his uh, substack, The Freedom Corner with Pete and Sw Peter Sweden. He's, uh, he's I guess, a Swedish-American, I think. Think he's Swedish American, unless he's just an English speaking Swede. His name is Peter Emanuelson. Are you realizing what is happening yet? And he puts it all together. You might not have realized what is happening, but some farmers in Europe are struggling. First came the massive increase in fertilizer prices. Now we have an energy crisis. 
In fact, farmers are having to throw away large quantities of food because they can't afford the electricity prices. They're literally letting tons and tons of food go to waste because they would lose money by harvesting it. He talks about Norway. State-run media is reporting about one farmer named Per Odd Jevasvag, I can't pronounce that, who is wasting 29 tons of leeks because he would lose money by harvesting and storing the vegetables. Normally, he would pay around 2400 per month in electricity. Now he is paying 40000 It's a 16-fold increase. Meanwhile, in Sweden, the country's largest grower of tomatoes are shutting down their winter crop because they cannot afford the crazy electricity prices. And, and, and right, it's a 10 times more expensive now. Okay, it would cost them between 555000 to 740000 extra in electricity prices. And I, I want you guys also just to realize, you know, we focus on gas prices, and I said gas is the least of it. You know, it, it adds up. It's a few hundred dollars more or whatever. But what, but the big thing is going to be the nuclear winter. Electricity, even more so than the gas. And how that ties back into food and really everything. You know, we think of like, okay, there's, there's, there's you know, manufacturing and food, and then there's individual household costs. Well, dude, the, the same way... The, the electricity costs you more as a household. What do you think it costs the manufacturing? Not only are farmers getting absolutely destroyed by the electricity prices, as you might have heard, in the Nether- Netherlands, the government is planning to shut down a whopping 11,200 farms in order to meet their climate goals. And again, y- you got to ask yourselves, why would they go and shut down fossil fuels and why would they attack farms now at a time when you have shortage meaning even if you supported those goals you'd be like oh whoa, whoops okay well we got to wait off with this you know let's get through the current energy crisis and then we'll wean ourselves off of fossil fuels and whatever do our you know green utopia no those are kind of like the useful idiots that believe in the green stuff would say that the people orchestrating this they're doing it because it's genocide. They're doing it because it's not about green energy. The same way they blocked COVID treatment. Well, why would you block COVID treatment if you're so worried about COVID? Well, the answer is you're not worried about COVID. You created COVID. You want people to die from it. You're worried about people making an end run around that. So A, they survive COVID, and B, they don't find a need to get your other bioweapon, Paxlovid and, 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 and the vaccines. This is what this is about. It's nothing less magnanimous than this. This is a big deal. And yet, where are Republicans? Where are they? You know, um, Boris Johnson, he gave his final speech basically introducing Truss as the new prime minister who's just going to be another, you know, she's a World Economic Forum person, fake conservative. But what does it mean to be a conservative? This is how he explains conservatism. It's unbelievable. He praised, he basically praised his uh, administration and all the good he did. Um, what, what it means to be a conservative government. And I don't have the clip, but I'm just going to read it to you. The people got Brexit done. 
the people who delivered the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe. And never forget, 70% of the entire population got a dose within six months faster than any comparable country. That is government for you. That's this conservative government. Think about that. The biggest genocide is the greatest triumph of this conservative government. Now, you might think, oh, that's Europe. No. To this day, almost every Republican who matters in American politics believes that, that that was a triumph. Donald freaking Trump believes that was his greatest triumph. No different than than Boris Johnson. He believes that was his biggest triumph, how he got that out quickly. The biggest genocide ever. And that portends greater things coming and all the tyranny that, that accompanied it is the greatest triumph. So conservatism in the way it's conceived nowadays is not water on the fire. It's a blowtorch on the fire. It's chemicals igniting it. I want to bring out another piece of evidence to this discussion. There's a study from the Santa Fe Institute. I never heard of it before. Could look it up, santafe.edu, title, study, new model for predicting belief change. It's very important to understanding how they get conservatives to go along with things, both the people and certainly the elected so-called conservatives. Remember, they understand that they cannot have united, legitimate opposition, even if it's a minority. Because their stuff is so evil, demented, and illogical that if you have a modicum of opposition, they're screwed because the word will get out. And that's why they have to have complete lockdown and censorship of any opposition. So we've talked a, talked a lot about how they've, they worked on artificial intelligence and all this stuff to predict how people will react. And they tested this. They, the people involved, whoever they were – involved in the creation of the virus and the vaccines and the pandemic and the genocide and the Great Reset and everything they're doing, this is an information warfare. So the same way they orchestrated it kinetically, they also orchestrated it media-wise, messaging. Because they wanted to understand. Like if you say, hey, if, if you message the American po- body politic, hey, you know, we have an emergency, we need to get make everyone have an abortion and take away their guns and raise your taxes. So you already have half the population is primed to immediately, viscerally fight that. But with COVID, as you well know, they came from a very different direction, something that's very new. And that's how you had certain very prominent conservative talk show hosts that bought into this stuff hook, line, and sinker. Anyway, let me read this article. A new kind of predictive network model could help determine which people will change their minds about contentious scientific issues when presented with evidence-based information. A new study in Science Advances presents a framework to accurately predict whether a person will change their opinion about a certain topic. It estimates the amount of dissonance or mental discomfort a person has from holding conflicting beliefs about a topic. Think about that. How much mental discomfort you will have by being on the other side of the majority. Santa Fe Institute postdoctoral fellows Jonas Delage and Tamara Van Der Doos 
built on previous efforts to model belief change by integrating both moral and social beliefs into statistical physics frameworks of 20 interacting beliefs. They then used this cognitive network model to predict how the beliefs of a group of nearly 1,000 people who are at least somewhat skeptical about the efficacy of genetically modified foods and childhood vaccines would change as a result of an educational intervention. <laughs> Study participants were shown a message about the scientific consensus on genetic modification of vaccines. Those who began the study with a lot of dissonance in their interwoven network of beliefs were more likely to change their beliefs after viewing the messaging, but not necessarily in accordance with the message. On the other hand, people with little dissonance showed little change following the intervention. For example, if you believe that scientists are inherently trustworthy, but your family and friends tell you that the vaccines are unsafe, that is going to create some dissonance in your mind. We found that if you were already kind of anti-GM foods or vaccines to begin with, you would just move more towards that direction when presented with new information. While still in the early stage, the research could ultimately have important implications of communicating scientific evidence-based information to the public. Now, folks, after hearing this and understanding how entrenched the government, and, and when you say government, don't think of CDC. Think of CIA and DOD and their entire apparatus of subcontractors that are essentially one with them, that are dispersed throughout the medical, tech, media even finance and banking, everything. Think about government and how they can manipulate an entire society. That, my friends, is a perfect illustration of the Fourth Reich. Transhumanism, AI, technology, to literally control the minds of everyone and get them to support this. And again, we live in a very interesting time. It's not as, it's still Cold War. They're not yet coming in and marching in your streets with armies and saying you must do this, but they're using other coercive tactics. So this still is an information warfare, which is why it's so important to keep fighting this and fighting back on their misinformation. But they understand that for your average person, you know, basically they're conceding like if you are onto this stuff before, they have no way of reaching you. But that's a very small number of people. You need to reach the average person. So it works to make people feel that they are on the opposite side of a scientific consensus. And there's no doubt, it's very logical to me. That is what they're trying to do. Now, we all, everyone kind of agrees COVID itself, by hook or by crook, seems to be petering out, because even Omicron, most people then got the next Omicron, so it's kind of like, okay, it's, you know, that wave is over with. Why is there a need to do this more? Well, I think you know the answer. Because there's an endless stream of both COVID and non-COVID vaccines. I mean, for example, Moderna, this is from the UK Times. Moderna aims to give investors extra boosts with a six-in-one super jab. In other words, it's going to have all sorts of variants of flu, corona, and RSV mixed in. And they want to have that out in two years. Two and a half years. This is a big deal, folks. This is a big deal. You know, Adam, one of our listeners, emailed both uh, Steve and I. Um, he, he said, hey, you know, have we reached a point where at this point anyone getting the COVID shots is a blue-haired crazy? It's not our people. Who says we should care? Kind of like what I'm saying with some of the abortion issues. Hey, it ain't our people getting it. And that's true, but it's not just about the current iteration of the current COVID shots that, yeah, at this point, you're crazy. No, I mean, what they're going to do when you see with this study, with the next thing, 
people who aren't clued in on it, which is only a small minority of our people, they're going to convince. We have to be ready for this. We have to fight this. And they are going to use other coercive methods. Again, I mean, so far, they've never coerced someone into getting a, an abortion. Said if you don't get an abortion, you lose your job. You can't serve in the military. You know, no, they offer them. They don't force it upon you. It's murder. It's terrible. But I'm just saying this is even worse. This is a forced abortion. And you better believe it's a forced abortion. Let's go through. Let's go through the the latest information. I'm just going to go through just the smattering of the last, you know, some some of the things that have come out in the last week about the shots. So some of you might have heard published in Science Direct in the journal Vaccine. Okay, very prestigious. Multiple multiple researchers in Europe, Australia, the lead researcher is from Louisiana, but one of them, the most famous, is not the lead researcher, but his name is Peter Dashi of the British, British Medical Journal fame. Combined, there was a 16% higher risk of serious adverse events in mRNA vaccine recipients points to the need for formal harm-benefit analysis release of participant-level data sets. This is, we talked about it when it was preprint, and now it is actually um, published. They, they, they tried to block its publication for months. There's a whole history behind that. But the most important, this is probably the most important study ever done on, on the COVID shots. Why? Because it analyzed the follow-up data on all-cause severe adverse events. So again, there's all-cause mortality, all-cause severe adverse events. We, we know we have all these people suddenly perfectly correlating with the timing of the take of, of the shot, dying suddenly, excess deaths. But the best study, so, so it's, it's hard to know on a micro level, an individual level, who died. Well, you know, you can't say for sure they got the stroke, blood clots, or heart attack from the shot. Maybe it was something else. But we just know in a macro sense, there's no way this could be natural. So this study, the follow-up, and by the way, it's only six months it's only when you had the original strain of COVID. It's before you had any boosters. So you don't have long-term deaths, which are going to be even greater. And then the boosters qualitatively, because it's dose-dependent, creates even a greater concentration of all-cause severe adverse events. So before we get to the data, just to understand the definitions here, what we're talking about. These are not just serious reactions. Okay? Like my sister who had lumps on her chest for four months from the thing. I, I call that a serious adverse event. I mean, there's many, you know, tinnitus, brain fog, debilitating stuff. For the most part, that's not even included in this. So that's going to be a much greater numerator, much greater fraction than what they present here. The, this is the highest level. Excess risk of serious Adverse events of special interest. It's defined as death, life-threatening at the time of event, inpatient hospitalization or prolonged existing hospitalization, persistent disability, birth defect, and that's basically it. So, you had to be it had to be either hospital death, hospitalized, or for whatever reason, if you weren't, at the time you got it, 
might not still be, but at the time it was life-threatening. Or persistent significant disability. So this is the highest tier. It's going to include deaths. It's the highest tier. Altogether, now they combined, I'm going to give you the combined rate for Moderna and Pfizer. They followed up on both their patients. They followed up on both of them. And, and Moderna was obviously worse because it's a higher concentration. We know that. Moderna was 15.1 of these. 15.1 um, serious adverse events of special interest per 10,000. Pfizer was Pfizer was 10.1. So it was a significant difference. You average it out, it's 12.5. Now, I know I didn't do the math perfectly here. No, I mean, that's their math. But what I'm about to say, because you have to break out the percentage who got Pfizer, the percentage who got Moderna, but let's just average it out. You know, slightly more got Pfizer, so maybe it'll be a little bit lower. But you get the point. The average out is 12.5 per 10,000. That might not mean much to you. So let's break it down to a term, a term that will be meaningful, a, a, a data point that will be meaningful. That's one in eight, 800. One in 800 experienced this level, death, hospitalization, life-threatening, or long-term, persistent, serious debilitation. If you take the number of people who got the shots and you divide it by that, you will get 448,000 people in the United States and 10.6 million globally. That's a Holocaust. And remember, that is just six-month follow-up, so it's not going to rope in all this subclinical myocarditis that we're likely seeing, and that was before the boosters. This was the first two doses. Okay, that the, 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 the boosters create, created an exponential rate of adverse events. So what is the rate of serious adverse events? A lot more than 1 in 800. Okay? We've, we've gone through that before. That's likely, likely 1 to 2% in some way. And it depends how you want to define serious. So that's going to be 1 in 50, 1 in 70. 1 in 800 is the highest level. It means they're basically people who either died or they're permanently messed up. Or maybe somehow they got through it, but at the time they were close to death. Highest level. Serious adverse events of special interest. Very narrowly defined. And again, it throws in birth defects there as well. Okay? That is insane. Then you have Ethical Skeptic has data out Based on CDC's weekly reporting, their surveillance, if you look at all-cause mortality in the United States, between April 3rd, 2021 and August 20th, 2020, very recently, he calculates 355,000 younger persons died of a factor that is not explained by anything, including COVID. Okay. This factor is killing 7,800 people per week. Five sigma high excess. Cancer is at a nine sigma high excess. There have been 15,357 excess non-COVID deaths registered in England and Wales in the 17 weeks since April 23rd. 
of 2021. No, I'm sorry, April 23rd of this year. Okay? Now, you would have, one thing that's important is you would have expected fewer deaths, right? Because of the dry Tinder theory. That because we had all these excess deaths initially from COVID and the COVID vaccines, whatever, at some point, what typically happens is it's a wave. You have high tide, low tide. So then you got rid of all the vulnerable people. So then you actually have a longer period of lower mortality. But it's accelerating after all this excess death since 2020. It's accelerating. That's astounding. By the way, if you do the math on the 17 weeks since then, extrapolate it for the entire vaccine period, 2021, 2022, and extrapolate it times five for the U.S. population, which is five times greater than England, you get about 388,000, which again is close to ethical skeptics numbers from CDC 355. Notice it's all what I told you. Likely several hundred thousand people have died just so far. Several million seriously injured in the United States alone. Millions, tens of millions died globally. By the end of August, excess deaths in England and Wales was 16.6% above the five-year average. Remember, we're not talking about a stock market you know, trend here. We're talking about statistics that are very fixed, very stagnant. When you look at all-cause mortality in a country, it's very stagnant. And for 2022, it's 16.6% above the five-year average, which includes the pandemic, COVID, which certainly did kill people as it was designed to do. Then you have, speaking of forced abortions, this Alex Berenson brought to life in Singapore. Okay, in Singapore... You know, if anything, births were a little bit up in 2021. Okay, the births were, were kind of up, as you would have expected. People were, you know, working from home, husband, wife, kind of like a blizzard baby phenomenon, which everyone expected. Very slightly up. Then came March of this year, and suddenly, suddenly, the... um the birth started going down. Do you know when that age group was given the shots? They were given them in June of 2021, exactly nine months before. That's a trend we seem to be seeing all over the world, Far East Asia, US, Europe. In March, the increase in births abruptly reversed. So between March and June, which is the most recent months available, Singapore recorded about 1,000 fewer live births compared to 2021, a decline of 8.5%. And the drop has been consistent each month. So the thought was maybe there was some sort of anomaly, but it looks like it's continuing. It's continuing. And on that note of births, Igor Chudov has a great substack on this. He goes through England. Live births dropped in England 14% as of May 2020, 2022. And he notes that the decline seems to be getting worse and not recovering. The negative rates began this year 
again, earlier than Singapore, because again, the take up of the vaccine was, was, as you well know, the UK and Israel were really the first countries was very early. That's what Boris Johnson bragged about as a conservative outcome. And they got worse every month from January to May. There was also a 10% increase in stillbirths. Okay? And January is nine months after, you know, kind of like April is when they is when they started there. That's when you would have expected it. March, April, they started with younger people or earlier. That's literally what Boris Johnson brags about, that he started earlier than any comparable country. So it's funny how you you st- you see the data show up earlier. And by the way, you know, some bloggers have discovered and and UK researchers public there's a report a summary of a public assessment report for COVID-19 mRNA v- Pfizer vaccines posted by the UK government. It was updated as recently as August 16th and now they're playing around with it because people pointed it out like they always do. And you scroll down and they have a very interesting line in there. Use in women of childbearing potential could only be supported provided healthcare professionals are advised to rule out known or suspected pregnancy prior to vaccination. And then they say blatantly, don't do it for breastfeeding either. Don't do it for breastfeeding. Don't do it for, for pregnancy. And, and even ch- children of, of uh, uh, women of childbearing age, make sure that there's no pregnancy going on there. That was right there. They knew about that. And we caught it on their own document. And now they're like, well, that was an old document. Since then, it's been proven, you know, great. No, it hasn't. It's been proven the opposite. And then some of you might have heard about this Israeli health ministry study that they published. They commissioned a, um, a bunch of, you know, professionals and scientists to study vaccine injury from December 2021 through May 2022, very recently. They waited that long, that long, to follow up on this. And then when it came out in a June Zoom meeting, there's now a video someone made available that shows, and they have all the English translation, how they basically say, hey, we, we got to watch out legally how we present this report because it could cause us problems of being sued. And basically what they discovered was that this thing created an exponential amount of, of um, mainly what they focused on was neurological and menstrual. And what they discovered for both neurological and menstrual is that, that they endured. See, they all said, ah, it's just a fleeting thing. Yeah, you might not get a period for a week, but you're, you'll be fine. But what they found, as we well know, is it was more ubiquitous than we ever thought. It was more severe than thought, and it went on with so many people for so long, some never came back, their, their, their period. And, and, and similar with the neurological stuff, the tinnitus, the brain fog, the migraines, you name it. They found that in 65% of the neurological cases that mentioned duration, the symptoms were still ongoing at the time of the study. Months and months and months. And I'm not it's not worth getting into all the details here. Steve Kirsch has a great Substack, you know, you just go, you know, look up Steve Kirsch's Substack. Um, 
It, uh, it's one of the most recent uh, entries there, if not the most recent. Uh, Daily Skeptic has a good, good write-up on it as well. And they found that... Um, so basically, the way they put it out to the public is they, they lied about the data. They, they, they created a denominator based on all vaccines ever administered in Israel from December 29, 2020 until whatever it was, June of this year. So, but the problem is the numerator was, was the numerator, the denominator from which the numerator was derived was a much smaller window. It was, again, December 2021 to, um, May 2020. So you could only use the shots administered during that period of time against the injuries they found during that time. And if you understand the timeline, most people in Israel already got it. I mean, that's when it was already over the hump. You know, maybe you had the back end of the booster campaign in December, but especially when you get to the, you know, March, April, May, people were done with in Israel. They're done, even more so than the U.S., they're done. They're not. No one's getting new shots there. Very, very few. They they bombed out on the five to eleven shot. By the way, the UK has quietly stopped authorizing that. Um, while we meanwhile authorize it for an even younger cohort here. But that's the point. It's actually a very small denominator. So I I, I haven't sat down and done the math, but I just wanted to give you the general fraud that they put out there and how they play games with that. Let's go through some more stuff. The excess deaths among all children across Europe, 0 to 14. It's been a horrifying 1,101%. So, you know, 1,100% increase in excess deaths so far this year compared with the same period in 2021. Why? As we well know, kids were vaccinated the latest. But we also know that possibly it's from 0 to 14. So it could include possible damage to, you know, newborns that their mothers were nursing or they got it during pregnancy. Again, what we are seeing everywhere is a perfect correlation with causal proof based on demographics and timing and country, geography, of excess deaths, excess stillbirths, and sudden precipitous drops in birth rates everywhere coinciding with the, with, with the timing of the shots. Where is the agenda on this? I don't understand how we can let this go. And again, everything they used to do this, they're going to use for the next strand of biomedical tyranny. They're going to still use for this one, and they're going to use the same playbook on food and fuel and every other emergency they're going to foist upon us. And all, and, and all the surveillance, the transhumanism, everything. A couple more points to get out here. Um, I wanted to point out, so, you know, you know when, when, when you look at the, the broader range of, of, of uh, adverse events that aren't quite as serious, how, um, how common they were. Epic Times is an article out, this is a straight up a CDC survey. This is from CDC, straight up. They did a survey of over 13,000 children. And they found that more than 55% between the ages of six months and two years 
experienced a systemic reaction in response to their first dose of Pfizer or Moderna. This was a September 1st publication. CDC said almost 60% had a systemic reaction to the second dose of Moderna vaccine. Parents of more than 6% of the children in the study said that their child was unable to perform normal activities after the second dose. So systemic means it's not just you have a sore arm. They had fever, nausea, weakness, muscle aches, dizziness. Okay, and 6% couldn't function. Massive percentage. For, for a virus that for that age cohort, that is the upper bounds of what it would have done for them had the shot worked and it, we knew it didn't work. Could you imagine the degree of Nuremberg violation there? And again, again, when you know we don't know long-term safety and in fact we see long-term it's starting to kill people, if you have that amount of people, let's just take the 6% number, not the 55%, let's take the 6% number couldn't function the next day. And let's say they got better. Who's to say that that what, co- that what caused that is not festering in, in their body? See, if, you di- if you're one of the people that like, hey, you know, I got the shot and nothing, I, I didn't feel anything. So it could be you got a dud, you got a, a placebo, or, or you got, you know, they left it out long enough um, that the buffer didn't hold and you had the whole temperature issue and you didn't have a problem. Okay. But if you experience that, that means that you at least got some degree of the, of the poison. We cannot even begin to imagine the Holocaust that has taken place and will continue to take place. And yet you watch Republicans and it's like none of this is happening. It's literally like it's any other post-Labor Day congressional session, election season. Let's pass a budget. Let's do this. By the way, they're going to fund more money for Ukraine, both in the NDA and the budget bill, and Republicans are all for it. They're going to fund more COVID stuff, more monkeypox stuff. They're going to fund it. They're not even promising to defund the IRS agents. Truly, truly disgusting, these sick, sick Republicans. The Republicans are part and parcel of all of this. So that is the question we all need to ask ourselves, is what is our answer? What is our solution? Where are we headed? How are we going to get ahead of what they're going to do to us with the winter? The flu. They're going to have people masking indoors with no heat. They're going to mix COVID, flu, who knows what other pathogen they'll have circulating then. Who knows what other shots they'll have circulating then together with a food and fuel crisis. And we're sitting and focused on Oz versus uh, Fetterman in Pennsylvania or whatever else. Again, this is what separates this town hall out from any other so-called conservative show. We focus on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter and what to do about it. I need your support. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send this show to everyone you know. Follow us on at C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram. You can find my columns at The Blaze and Conservative Review as well. And make sure you know you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas. Email me, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. A little late start to this week, but we are back in it. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.